Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Pray for revelation knowledge that we're teaching the right things God wants us to teach at a place, and then you're you're praying for strength and utterance as we travel. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word in Jesus' name. Did I hear an amen? amen. All right. This is the thought I want to share with you tonight, I feel it's very important to your life and how you reason. And it's a thought that God dropped in my heart and I began to think over it. Uh, which is, how does God judge things? How does God judge things? And um, I'll give you like four examples which we're going to look at together. And then, uh, we're going to build from there. Go to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Praise God forevermore. Isaiah 11 and verse 1 to 4. Isaiah 11 was talking about Jesus. And then he said, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruits. He says, The Spirit of the Lord would rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are the... When you... When you go to the book of Revelation, it tells you of the seven spirits that are in the throne of God. So when he says the seven spirits that are in the throne of God, he's not talking about seven different spirits standing by the throne of God. These are the seven spirits that are in the throne of God in the book of Revelation. Then he says, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Talking about the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 3 now. He will not judge by what his eyes see. He will not judge, pay attention, by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. The King James says he would make righteous judgments. Can you give me the King James? Verse, verse, uh, verse 4. Verse 4. It says, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the bread of his leaves shall he slay the wicked. So he would have what to call a righteous judgment. Go to verse 3 again, the New American Standard Bible. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now pay attention to two things. He will not judge by what his eyes see, 
nor make a decision by what his ears hear. Pay attention here. Two things that affect your judgment in life is what you see and what you hear. Now, this is, and I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to help me communicate this to you tonight. Now, look at this. If you don't control what you see and what you hear, the foundation of your judgment will be altered. You will not be able to make righteous judgment. Praise the name of the Lord. That's why you realize that there is a lot of, you know, the way we reason today is not our original reasoning. <laughs> the way we reason today is highly influenced by what we see and what we hear. How many of you, are, how many of you realize, apologies to the women, forgive me in advance, but how many of you realize that everything that is being advertised today has got a naked woman close to it? Even a blender. And you want to ask yourself, what's the connection between a woman that is not fully dressed and a blender? She's not tomatoes, is she? Right? Have you watched your DSTV advert? Full package and hot? What's the connection? Why do you think people struggle with sexual addictions today? What we see what we hear. So, you can't trust your judgment if you don't check what you feed on. Do you realize, and I've said it before as a student of social, of social studies, there was a time where beauty was defined by how fat a woman was. And when you wanted to marry in those days, how many of you were alive in those days? Yeah, when you wanted to marry in those days, what did they take you to? The fatty room. They made you to eat. They made you to eat. But over the time, our judgment of beauty began to change, especially after Agbani Darego. And then ladies refused to eat. So do you realize that the concept of beauty has not been stable? But what we see and what we hear has altered our definition of beauty. Like as I was telling the pastors the other time, do you remember there was a time where fair girls were at risk in the church? They were endangered species. Once you were fair, you had an Obanje spirit. Do you know what is Obanje? You don't know. Oh, some of you just got born again yesterday. Right? Where if you were fair, they thought you had a demon. But by what we hear and what we see, that has changed. Now, even some people are using bleaching creams. So you realize if something is not built on the word of God, it will not be stable. Your concept of beauty is going to change in the next 10 years. It will change. Even your concept of fashion will change. Praise the name of the Lord. You remember one time when it was fashionable for uh, guys to wear very tiny Jeans, very tight jeans, and you could almost feel sorry for them. Right? They needed help to pull the jeans. You could see two people struggling. You thought they were fighting. No, they were just removing their clothes. And that changed. 
And that's why you have to have a stability in your spirit. If not, you're going to keep changing. Somebody will just decide to get mad somewhere and release something and will define your whole concept of beauty and you will keep changing and keep changing and keep changing until you develop stability. So what you hear and what you see will determine your judgment. So the Bible talks about righteous judgment. John 7, 24. The scripture talks about righteous judgment. We're talking about how does God judge? How does God judge? Thank you, Lord. John chapter 7 and verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. Now, the, the Greek word judgment, pay attention, is the word chris. K-R-O-I-S. That's the word. Um, sorry. K-R-O-I-S-I. Almost like the word crisis. That's the Greek word judgment. It means the notion of decisions. The point of view or opinion. In close relation to the notions of criticism, evaluation, and judgment. So judgment is not just like you're condemning somebody. It talks about a notion. Right? Talks about a notion. Prince, are you writing? You're sure? So it talks about the notions of decision, the point of view, of opinion, in close relation, or, the, or we're talking about criticism, evaluating something. Evaluating something. So John 5.30 gives us a foundation. John 5.30, talking about Jesus. I'm just going to read these scriptures and I will begin to look at some stories. John 5.30. How does God judge? How does God see things? John, sorry, John chapter 5 and verse 30. Look at this. It says, I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear, I judge. So you can always see that hearing is, is very important to judgment. That's why you realize that sometimes you can be very happy until you go on Instagram. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right. And you are just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. As you are seeing that and hearing some of those background music, after you have scrolled a couple of pages, you now look at the room you are scrolling for. Then you now start asking yourself, why is my life like this? Are these not people? Now, this is what is happening. Because of what you are saying and what you are hearing, you are now judging yourself. So you now form an opinion of yourself that you are not doing well. That becomes the open door to depression. And before you know, you are just sick of yourself, sick of your job, sick of the people around you because you've opened yourself. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. What you open yourself to. And this is the funny thing. By the time you open yourself to such things and you begin to judge yourself in a certain way, you will now start making decisions based on that judgment of yourself. And like we talked about, that's how you work out of divine relationships. Whilst I was in Kenya, there was this popular Kenyan lady, I don't know her, but she was up on the news. You know, she was really kind of influential on social media. You know, these are people type there, God, when, when is my turn? You know, 
um, how do they put it now? Girls' goals. You know, these are my goals, you know, stuff. And then she was caught um, trafficking cocaine. And then she was arrested. It's amazing why all those people who were praying to be like her, you know, that's why you should thank God that God doesn't answer some of your prayers. Because if God answered that prayer, that means we're sure that in the next couple of years they're going to catch you. You know, we joke about these things, but we're not serious about disciplining ourselves, not allowing other people's life get into our space and determine that God is not good. So what you hear would form your judgment. What you see would form your judgment. It says, I can do nothing on my own initiative as I hear I judge and my judgment is just. Which means my judgment is true or righteous. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Pay attention here. Jesus gives us another foundation to make right judgment. He says, if I do not seek my will, but the will of the Father who sent me, then I can make righteous judgment. Are you following this? Are you here or you're going home? All right. Jesus says, I make righteous judgment. He says, because I don't seek my own will. But the will of him who sends me. You know, I was thinking today, just meditating, and I was thinking like, how much power money has in our world right now? People don't even talk about purpose anymore. You know, people don't talk about purpose anymore. People don't talk about, this is what I feel God is calling me to do. You don't hear people's, you don't hear God in people's conversation. It's about, this is what I want to do. Pray for me. This is where I want to go. Pray for me. There is no sense of divine movement. There is no sense of, God meets me here. I don't know what the repercussions are going to be. But this is where God wants me to be here. And I'm going to stay there. Our decisions are influenced by mammon. She's money. Because unfortunately, we have, dri- we have driven a narrative that makes it look like if you don't have money in this world, nothing will happen. You know, there are people who should be married and they'll tell you that the reason they're not married is money. And what, if, what is it? I cannot marry somebody and now be trekking. Okay. I cannot marry somebody and not... And everything you say you cannot marry and be doing... <laughs> Let's read. I'll tell you this. If, if some of you are waiting for money to get married, it's going to be a really long time. It's going to be a really long time. Because what that does is that it's putting desperation on you. Hmm? And I'll tell you, there's someone in this world, maybe you have not found them, but there's someone in this world who likes you just the way you are. (laughs) I know the guests are just saying, Pastor, no. (laughs) I've suffered in my father's house. I cannot suffer in my husband's house. You need to change that judgment. 
Why don't you start thinking of yourself like, if somebody gets married to me, I'll bring the blessing into their heart. Why don't you think that way? Why, why are you thinking, I don't know why I'm teaching this, but I believe there's somebody in this church that needs deliverance tonight. Why are you thinking that marriage is stepping into an inheritance as opposed to bringing the blessing into someone's life? So you are just waiting. Just waiting. And that's why you also now make the wrong choice. Because say he, he fears God small, but he has big money. Alright. Let's go on. Look at Luke 16, 15. <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. And you know one of the reasons people are not married is because of the kind of wedding they want to have. For some of them said, it's not even married for, it's not even money for the marriage, the life after the wedding. Is that they want to take local government permission and close the streets. Don't just close the streets. Hmm? Wedding gown. That would be as long. Bridal shower. You know, bridal shower has become some expensive stuff. Bridal shower ought to just be your friends gathering around you. Just final bachelor's night, just you know, talking. But now that whole thing, you know, sometimes I'm preaching somewhere, maybe I'm in a hotel, and then I see rooms are booked, rooms are booked, rooms are booked, and I'm wondering what's going on. And you see girls coming out, coming out in their numbers, several uniforms. Several. Room 100 has purple girls. Room <laughs> all kinds of colors. That's not the wedding. That's pre-wedding. <laughs> Have friends in your life that are sane, that are not mentally ill. <laughs> Have sane friends. If not, you will push yourself to an extreme that you'll not be able to come out from. Have friends that are sane. And sanity means friends that the word of God is the final authority in their lives. Have friends who are able to say, you know what? This is what is popular, but I'm not doing it. And I'm okay. It'll help you to make righteous judgments. <laughs> I remember during our wedding, uh, my best man. Then, I don't know what was happening to guys. You know, they would sew trousers there and then they would split this place and this place. That was what was popular. Do you remember that period? Okay. But you were not born then. So, <laughs> we went to the tailor. So, the tailor was like, should they split? I said, no, don't split my trousers. My best man said, ah, that's what they are wearing now. I said, that's not your problem. I'm not they. I think... We didn't do that. Because you always... The challenge I'm having nowadays is we don't even have convictions anymore. There are no convictions. There are no convictions. Something is thrown at us, we swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. We don't even criticize it, we don't analyze it, we just swallow it in. We don't want people to laugh at us. 
And I'll tell you how these affect us because this was one of the reasons uh, God rejected Saul. The pressure of people. You must be delivered from the pressure of people. You must learn it. Look at Luke 16:15. It says, And he said, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. He says, but God knows your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. He says, you justify yourselves in the sight of men. Pay attention here. He says, but God knows your heart. He says, that which is highly esteemed among men. That word detestable actually is the word abomination. Can, look at this. Look at this. This is a very simple message. I pray you will understand. Look at this. God is saying, what men hold in high esteem is an abomination in his sight. He says, but you justify yourselves in the sight of men. So, that means, if you don't see from the eyes of God, from the viewpoint of God, What's going to happen? You will follow the things that are highly esteemed among men. And meanwhile, your whole life is spent in doing things that are an abomination to God. Remember, he didn't just say these were sin. No. It's the fact that these very attitudes, these very actions, these very decisions in the sight of men are highly esteemed. Today, one of the things that we need to recover is what family really is. Because we're beginning to go into societies right now where we're not valuing family. We're redefining our concept of family. We're just redefining our concept of family. We're we're just doing what we want. And you know why? All of this is about money. It's about comfort. It's about what suits us. There are decisions you would have to make that are not popular in the sight of men, but they are honored in the sight of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Do you realize we don't take unpopular decisions anymore? When last did you make a decision and people felt you can't make this decision and the only reason you made that decision was that you're a Christian or you're, you believe God or it was what God was telling you? Praise God. You know, I said something today. One of the ways to stay on fire for God is to have friends around you who, who are burning. And God has helped us. Myself and Pastor Mary, we don't have too many friends. No, we don't have too many. Our friends are very, very minute. Why? We want to maintain the passion that we have for God. And I, I don't have permanent friends. If your, if your value for God drops, you are out. 
I'll maintain peace with you. But you're not my friend. If you're my friend, we, can, we should have the same values. I think some of you need to be following me on social media because I put some things there. Huh? He's my very close friend. But he drinks, so, but I don't. How do you define friendship? How do you define a friend that your values are not consistent? Do you know, if you are my friend, I don't drink, you don't drink. That is what makes us friends. It's not that I don't drink, then you drink. Mm-mm. We are not friends. We are human beings that know each other. If we are friends, when we sit on a table, it is holy table. And, but if you do like that, how, how, how are you going to reach them? You have been friends for 10 years. Have you reached them? They have reached you. You are not mixing. You are mixing this thing. Say, just put small inside Coke. It will dilute it. You, they have reached you. It's easier to compromise than to start a fire. Easier to compromise. You are now a Christian brother. You now sit on a table where 70% of the discussions is about girls. He said, yeah, but we're in the same compound. Are you joking? Friends must have shared value across board. If there's anything that has helped my passion for God is limiting the people that get in my space. And I'm never apologetic about it. Never apologetic. Because I've seen people go hard for God and drop seen people go far for God and drop. I've seen people start out ministries and drop. If you don't, if you're not conscious of maintaining your flame, you won't burn to the end. And you know why we talk like that? So this liberal thing out there that is just going around the world. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. Hmm? But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed. Let's read from the New Living Translation. Highly esteemed in the sight of men is an abomination in the sight of God. It's detestable in the sight of God. It's something that God does not want to look. You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What the world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Don't honor what the world honors and displease God. Saints, we are in a world that wants to press Christianity out of, out of the world. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. Hallelujah. Are you learning something tonight? All right. John 5, 44. John 5. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 5, 44. John 5, 44. You realize that once you are, once you are becoming passionate for God, you say, ah, do you want to become a pastor? <laughs> So they don't mind you being carnal and being cold. Hmm? They don't mind you being carnal and being cold. He says, no wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other. 
but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. See, you don't care about the honor of God. You just care about honoring yourself. Esteeming yourself. Go back to the New American Standard Bible. Right? When you receive glory from one another, you do not seek the glory that is from the world and only God. You don't honor what... You see, we haven't, we haven't come to the place in our life where well done, good and faithful servant is more important to us than any commendation we get on this earth. That should be what is important. That, are you pleasing the Lord? Are you pleasing the Lord? How does God look? And I'm showing you this scripture so that you will begin to make your decisions based on this scripture. Any decision you want to make in this life, your priority should be what is God saying? You want to leave Bonnie Island? Ask yourself that question. What is God saying? You want to get into this job? What is God saying? Should I be here? Should I be doing this? Don't just... Don't just live your life in such a way that people esteem you. But that's an abomination to God. And, and is this an easy life to live? No, no, it's not. The reason we struggle to become Christians is because we want it easy. That's why we struggle. Right? How many of you think I'm right? You don't think so? That's the thing. You don't want people to laugh at you. You don't want people to feel you are too serious. You don't want people to feel that your own is too much. So it's just that borderline. You know, where it can accommodate a chameleon-like Eh? <laughs> you know, and I've started I'm working on something now on rediscovering the song of the Lord in the house of God because you know, just in a bit to attract people, to make people feel comfortable, you know, we started developing some kind of funny theology if you cannot dance in the club, come to the house of God and dance you know that, right? <laughs> and so we have people who <laughs> they, they really miss the club. <laughs> they really, really miss the club. And that's how you realize that if you give people opportunity to dance in church, right? Just give people opportunity to dance in church. Just give them opportunity. Give them freedom. Hmm? Just give them freedom. Let them keep dancing. Let them keep dancing. Let them keep dancing. Just let people dance. Right? Just let people dance, let people dance, let people dance, let people dance for, for an extended service, okay? Maybe an extended time dancing. Then let them just tap a secular tune on the keyboard. Maybe the intro to a very popular song. You know, yeah! You, you, you will not realize. People will not, they will not be conscious. No, they will not be conscious. You will be shocked when you will see a brother and a sister come and it's gone. I'm telling you. You see, when you get born again, there should be something in you that repels that which is secular. It repels it. It 
It should not be like, ah, if I was not a Christian. You know, some of us regret. And that's why when we're growing up, some people say, no, I don't want to give my life to Christ now. It's too early. It's too early. I've not enjoyed life. <laughs> the things that are highly esteemed in the sight of men. So they are abomination in the eyes of God. What do you esteem that God does not esteem? You have to check it. What do you hold in high regard that God does not hold in high regard? What viewpoints do you hold in your mind? Let's start. Let's do First Samuel. Then we'll do some examples. First Samuel 16. Let's go there. You know the story. Hallelujah. Are you getting blessed tonight? Yeah. This is a very sober message. Calls for sober reflection. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. We must die to the world. Hallelujah. We must die to the world. First Samuel chapter 16. You know the story, right? Um, the Lord sent... First Samuel chapter 16, the Lord sent Samuel after uh, Saul had been rejected to go to the house of David, to the house of Jesse, sorry, and anoint a king. Praise God. Now go to verse, go, let's start reading from verse 1. It says, now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? He says, since I have rejected him from being king of Israel over Israel. We're going to read why God rejected him. He says, fill your horn with oil and go. I'll send you to Jesus of Bethlehem. I have selected a king for myself among his sons. The prophet was crying over Saul. While the prophet was crying, God had already made up his mind to choose someone else. I always say this to pastors. We're not indispensable to the work of God. Don't ever think that if you don't participate in the work of God, the work would stop, except it was not breathed by God. God anointed someone else. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. <laughs> and the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to sacrifice. And I'll show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? Those days, the prophets were not going from house to house, praying and collecting seed. When a prophet came to your house, you couldn't sit. It was that God sent him. They were not saying, I see, I see, I see. No. No. They were not looking for jobs. They were the representatives of God. Hallelujah. Are you still here? So he says, he said, I came in in peace, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. When he entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely, surely, the Lord's anointed is before him. Eliab was in the army. Had carried some kilograms in the gym. Hefty. He looked like a king. How does God judge? He looked like a king. He came. And you know, Samuel's words never fell to the ground. He was handpicked as a prophet from a young age. This man almost missed it. 
He said, this is the Lord's anointed. <laughs> the man would have anointed a wrong man for God. We're going to talk about this as we go. You need to pray. One of the prayers Paul prayed over the Philippian church, which you need to pray over your life all the time, is discernment. Discern- so you are not just, you know, ah, there are some of us, any opportunity, they, they should not just put all in front of the opportunity. You will run inside. If you have an idea that a door is opening, the door has not opened, you just hear the key, you have entered. No. <laughs> ah. You see, life is too fragile to make decisions based on your limited knowledge. I, I don't, I, I'm afraid for believers. I'm afraid. You know, the Lord, the Lord, <laughs> you know, the Lord saved us very early. Where we got married very early. Um, I was working with dad and um, had this dear man of God who loved me so much. He used to be in ba- He's still in the Bahamas. And uh, he reached out to me. He says, I really want you to come work with me, pastor the church. So we thought about it and we said, okay, well, I think we can. We can go. He had everything. Everything. All the documents were ready. But I remember one time I said to my wife, we just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, we want, we, want, we want you to put us where you want us to be. This opportunity looks good. And you can remember, you can imagine way back, 2008, 2009, we just got into ministry then. We did everything. There was, the church was employing me as their pastor. So it wasn't like uh, bring documents. They were employing me. I was to go pastor the church. So I had a letter of employment, my salary, everything. I remember I went to Lagos, did all my fingerprints and everything. And for, reason, for some reason, the documents were not approved. You know, if it was some of us, <laughs> Father, we, you know, we, we, were, we were just glad. We just took it. It was as if nothing happened. We just said, well, thank God. We moved on. <laughs> as I speak to you today, that church is not existing. The church is not existing. The pastor and the wife went into business. They're operating a catering business, baking cake. By now, I'll be wearing apron. <laughs> I'll be wearing apron now. Selling cake in Bahamas. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All those who oh, pastor, let's pray for pastor, let's pray for the nations. No nations. I will be selling cake. I'm telling you, every time I think of that story, I'm grateful to God. I could have just lost everything. Because there's a way you can pray to make things work. Because some of you is by fire, by force. Give him no peace, Lord. That relax. Relax. What is relax? What is wrong with your life? Why are you in a hurry? And that's how forget fruit of the spirit. Some of you will not hear fruit of the spirit. This is it. Bonnie Island will do. You see, let me tell you something. A man can miss God's will. You can miss it. You can live your whole life and you will never attempt him what God wants you to do. That's the truth. God never forces his will on men. You have to yield to it. I remember, I like to start churches. When we came here, I said I was going to be here four years and we were going to move to Kenya. I, I, love, I love East Africa. I love Kenya. Right? <laughs> Guess what? We went as a family. I'm just sharing this to you to le- so you will learn how to live your life. You see, the blessings you see in our life 
It's not trial and error. It's exact. If you follow the steps, you'd walk in the blessing. We went to Kenya. Went with the family. Everybody went there one year. In fact, I started registering our ministry in Rwanda. So I went to Rwanda, spent some time to pray, and the Lord says, no, I don't want you in Rwanda. I had started registering the ministry. We paid like half of the money. So I stopped it. Then we went to Kenya. Guess what? Immediately we got to Kenya. One lady just saw us, family friend. So we're telling them about, yeah, we would like to come, you know, and everything. And then the lady said, oh, if you guys come, I'll pay this one school fees. I was praying to Zara then. How many of you know that's divine confirmation? <laughs> and then guess what? When we all came back, everybody was having dreams. <laughs> you know, but the Lord said we're not to go. Your passion can lead you. That's why it's not when you like a girl you'll be praying, is this the will? No. The girl will appear every... You would surprise. You didn't save her picture as screen saver, but you open your phone, her picture will just appear. Because she's been embedded in your subconscious. So that you saw her giving you bread. <laughs> My brother, relax. Marriage is not lived in the dream. Be sure. Are you still here? Alright. So, righteous judgment. The child of God does not take every opportunity. The opportunity must align with the will of God. You see, let me explain something to you very quickly, and I really need to finish this tonight. There are certain occurrences in your life that will look like a backward movement, but actually God is repositioning you for something better and something higher. Do you realize if we track the life of Joseph, it looked like he had lost that dream completely? How many of you know, understand what I'm talking about? How many, how many of you feel how Joseph will be feeling in Potiphar's house? Say, God, this is not what you showed me. Right? In the pit, say, this is not what you showed me. In Potiphar's house, this is not what you showed me. In the prison, this is not what you showed me. But how many of you know that was the route? Your route is not like everybody's route. That's why your fellowship with God should be prioritized. I've sat in meetings where one word gave us direction. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Alright. 16.6 Then verse 7 It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. look Look at the words God used, my brother. He says, I have rejected him. God did not say, pay attention, God did not say, I have not chosen him. Pay close attention tonight. God did not say, right? Come on, are you following me? God did not say, I have not chosen him. God did not say, don't anoint him. He is not the one. No, God says, I have rejected him. Which means, God, you see, You cannot reject a man you didn't consider. How many of you follow what I'm saying? If if I'm choosing people and then you point someone to me and say, Pastor, what about this person? You say, I've rejected him. Which means God considered Eliab before. And God rejected him. Although he had the physical stature to be king. God had considered him. He says, I've rejected him. Then he says, for God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
All his sons came. And God says, not this one. The one God chose was the one in the bush. Now, let me, let me, I want to balance this up because we like to go to the extreme. When we now read this, we now say what you wear does not matter. Right? Turn with me to Proverbs. Let me, let me show you two scriptures here. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 10. Then I'll come back here. I need to finish this. Give me Proverbs 7 10. Hmm? It says, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot, and cunning of heart. Because her heart was cunning, it reflected in her dressing. The scripture has what you call the attire of a harlot. Now this, because specifically to to ladies. But you see, you must not, you must not, Dress carelessly in life. Because when you look at that scripture, it says man looks at the outward appearance, praise God. It says, but God looks at the heart. You know, we say that to justify how we appear, but you have forgotten that in that scripture, God says man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance. Let me show you one more scripture. Genesis 41, 14. Don't dress like a slave and expect it to be treated like a king. Hmm? How many of you have ever gone for interviews and you didn't have proper shirts and you had to borrow shirts to, for the interview? Why did you borrow shirts? Since Why did you borrow shirts? Eh? No, you should not have borrowed now since God sees the heart. I've told, and I've told you a lot in this church. Dress well to work. Especially those of you who are not probably working in the side that have cobra. Dress, those shirts you are keeping for funerals and for wedding. How do you, I don't know, how do you dress carelessly your whole life? And the only time you are looking nice is when you are burying someone. It's, 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 it's a faulty mindset to the way we dress. There are some of you here now, you have a lot of clothes. A lot. Some, you don't even know, as I'm speaking now, that you have. Some of you don't know. You are not aware. It's word of knowledge now that is telling you you have clothes that you will never use. Genesis 41, 14. Look at this. Then Pharaoh sent Joseph and called for Joseph. And they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Why didn't they say, oh, this dream needs urgent interpretation? Come. <laughs> no, he changed. History will tell you that Pharaohs did not like people appearing before them with beards. But can I tell you something that I learned from this story? Do you realize immediately he interpreted that dream? Pharaoh now said, who can we choose? He said, choose anybody. And Pharaoh said, no, we'll choose you. See, Joseph never returned to the prison. You know, that careless dressing, hoping that when something comes up, you will quickly go home to change. You might not have that opportunity. And I've told you here several times, that's why sometimes when your boss wants to pick people, you have the intelligence, but you don't have the appearance. Ampit not shaved. So every time they are talking to you, they say, yes, yes, you can... Yes, he says, send an email. Say that 
image they are telling you to send. It's not, it's not company policy. They don't want to sit across the table with you. Everything, they will say, oh, send an email, send an email. They just want you to stay with inanimate objects. Because they can't complain. No matter how favored you are, if your appearance is faulty, honorable people will not take you along. Learn to dress with your future in mind, not your past. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Dress with your future in mind, not your past. Where is God taking me? This issue of, I'm not comfortable with suits. I don't know how to wear this one. I don't know how to, I did, I did not grow up. No, you, you don't have to grow up with it. You have to learn it. You work in the HR department of your company, you are always looking, you are the odd person out. You just like to wear face cap and flag it to the left. In a corporate space, you are always looking like a gangster. And you think when they want to nominate people for business, the company is afraid of you embarrassing them. You are very intelligent, but your parents doesn't tell you so. So when the scripture says man looks at the outward appearance, pay attention to that. Is somebody here? Pay attention to that. Look good. Try your best. So that where God is taking you, you will make it easy for God. Don't have the destiny of a prime minister and appear like a prisoner. Go and learn. Make adjustments. See, we all did not have perfect training. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us grew up with no clothes. You spent years on underwears, running around. So there is a freedom you have when clothes are not around your body. You, you remember how you grew up. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> hmm? Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, I don't want to go there because I have something to say tonight. But look at yourself and say, this company I am. What is the highest position in this place? How do those people look? How do they talk? Set that. Best standards. Don't say, even in America, what is the name of this country? <laughs> when you cross, hmm? when you enter the plane and you cross, you can, from the plane, you can start to remove your clothes in preparation for landing. When you hear the pilot say, we will land in 30 minutes, you can begin to remove your clothes. But as far as you are here, it makes sense to respect the culture of the organization that you're working Is that okay? So work on your appearance. Don't use this scripture to appear. Anyhow. And say, God sees my heart. It's not God that will employ you. Bishop Rebbe said many years ago, to say this quickly, Bishop Rebbe said many years ago, he's, he used to tell his peer, dress well, dress well. And the man will not. So they went for an, for an event and uh, he forgot something in the car. So they allowed Bishop to go in. By the time he was coming back, because of the way he was dressed, they put him at the back. Say that was the last time the man dressed like that. Because the way he was dressed, he couldn't put him in the front. 
Don't stifle your future because of how you were raised. Some of us are so passionate about our past that our future don't mean anything to us. Maybe you were working in a certain sector and you were moved to another sector. Why don't you make that adjustment? So that when people are being picked, as simple as dressing will not disqualify you. Why don't you look after yourself? I've always told people this many times. You know, people say, oh, hey, is English our language? Is English our language? Is English our language? But if you want to represent your company, you will not speak Yoruba. I had a very lovely young man, quite intelligent, in those but if he's talking to you, you very, very intelligent guy. You know, funny enough, many times when we needed to make decisions, yeah, don't leave him for you now go and be doing very intelligent. Is it that he could not change from that? Every time you try to address it, he feel you were addressing his tribe. No. You don't own the world. You are only a majority tribe in Nigeria. Nigeria is one nation out of 159 nations in the world. What I'm trying to say is 158 nations do not care about that, your tribal language. Not to talk about if you are Ibani, your, your tribe is on that. They have not even started going checking your tribe. You know, when you talk Nigeria, it's outside Igbo and Yoruba. I mean, I respect culture. We should keep our culture and everything. I remember when we were getting married, somebody was asking me, what, what will your children speak? I said English. I hear English. My wife hears English. They hear English. <laughs> we are okay. And they say, hey, but they should learn one language. I said, tell her. She can teach them Igala. He said, but what about if there is civil war? <laughs> <laughs> you can use English to say, I'm not from this tribe. <laughs> You see, people always think that... I'm not saying throw away... I hope you get what I'm saying. I'm not saying throw away your culture, but if that language... It, I'm sorry. Do you realize it's only in Nigeria here we think that somebody from our tribe will give us a job? And you know it's a faulty thinking. It's not a normal way to think. What should get you a job is what you are bringing to the table. Not because you can speak a language. So imagine you raising your whole life that my language will give me access. You have limited yourself. So you can learn to speak well. Alright. So, is somebody blessed by this? Alright. This is housekeeping. This is pastoral housekeeping. Alright. So let's look at some examples quickly. The rich young ruler. How does God judge? Luke chapter 12. So if man judges by appearance, then you should walk on your appearance for man. Is that okay? Alright. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. We read the story many times, 16 to 21. I'm going to read quickly. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, So, you've come, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat and drink, and be merry. How many of you know that? These few verses we have read, yes, it, okay, without reading the Bible, do you think anything is wrong in what the man has said? I know you have read the Bible, but just imagine you haven't read. Okay, how many of us seated here tonight would act 
exactly like this man. Okay, only five of us are honest in this church. The rest of you. Hey, come on, this is how you act. What else? This is the American dream. This is the dream. Retire. Look at what God said to him. He says, but God said to him, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? Look at verse 21. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Do you know how God judges a man? In the midst of your abundance, where is God? Where is the plan of God? Can you, can you realize that all these things the man said was all about himself? You know, interestingly, which is very interesting, we've pastored for a couple of years and it's, it's a beautiful journey. We've had people who just say, Pastor, Pastor, just this prayer. Once I just have this job, you, you yourself will be surprised. And yes, we are surprised. You know what happens? How many of you know what happens? Don't come to church anymore. Don't tie. Don't give. Can I tell you something? That mindset you have that when you have more money you will give, it's a lie. It is you deceiving yourself. What did the scripture say about the Macedonian Christians? Out of their deep poverty, they gave. You are not giving not because you don't have. You are not giving because your heart is not rich towards God. Your heart is not rich towards God. God is not asking you for what you don't have. He's asking from what you have. And I have, you know, I see a lot of people struggle with the tithe, and I, I just laugh at them. You know why? What is 10% out of 90 that is going to ruin your life if you honor God with it? Just imagine. You have 100,000. What is 10,000 there? Some of you, any 100,000, you struggle with the tithe. Your hair is 12,000. That is the tithe I'm looking at. And it's nothing. It's, it's, do you realize... Do you realize making a hair of 10,000 is nothing to you? It's just, it's just okay. You are even saying it's because I don't have. Okay. But to give that money to church looks like you are lifting 100 kilograms. It's not rich towards God. So God judges by how men are rich towards Him. Where is God in all your plan? This man says, I will do this. I will do this. I will do... God says, you fool. Tonight your soul will be taken away from you. Do you realize that all our struggles in life is the fact that God gave us breath. God gave us health. Right? God gave us life. Are you rich towards God? So God judges men by how rich they are towards Him. Says, so is everyone. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, the concept of this world is store up, store up, store up, store up. I just gave a simple example today about clothes. Some of us have clothes we will never use again, but they are there. Some of us have grown the clothes. They say, leave it like that. It will stop being used. Some of us don't have space in our homes anymore. We are in the midst of clothes. Grandfather's burial cloth is still there. Grandmother's burial cloth is still there. What are you keeping them for? How much clothes do you really need in this life? How much things do you really need? Ask yourself. 
How much money do you really need in this life? Because we have a culture that piles up, has not reached towards God. Luke 21, verse 1 to 3. Luke 21, 1 to 3. Is somebody getting blessed tonight? Are you glad you came? I can't hear you. Are you glad you came? Alright, Luke 21, 1 to 3. And he looked up. Jesus was sitting by the offering. <laughs> you know, Jesus looks at our offering. Yeah. You know, some of us have not grown beyond that 15 naira they used to give to us when we were small children. We did not have Center here, offering time. Looking for the smallest change. Some of you have never given a worthy offering in your life. Hmm? Walk into your room. You will see TV. Uh, what's, it, what's it called that thing again now? Home theater. Home theater that is so loud, you will own it, increase it, and go outside and go and listen to it. You increase it. But you can't stay with it. You now come out because it will deaf your ears. Hmm? Highest offering you are giving in your life is during Thanksgiving. Two five. You're not ashamed. Ask yourself, if I was the only Christian, would the work of God advance? Ask yourself that. Look at this. Jesus was looking at the offering. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And I've told you, don't ever say this is my widow's mite. Your widow's mite is not your smallest money. Your widow's mite is all your living. It's a wrong interpretation. So you just give say this is my widow's mite. No, your widow's mite is when the account goes red. Look at it. And he saw a poor widow putting in two copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. Now, if we, if we look at this, how can two mites be more than the millions people gave? Look at the scripture. It says, for they all out of their surplus put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. What a heart she had for God. Everything this woman had to live on, she gave it to God. How does God judge? How does God judge? Do you know if a pastor were to be the one sitting in front of this offering? Praise God. Verse 3, uh, verse 4, sorry. If a pastor was sitting in front of this offering, who is the pastor going to give a word for the highest giving? Somebody? The rich guys who give out of their surplus. And that's why I don't believe in some of those things because we don't really know what people... And, and I mean, in this church, people, people are a blessing to us. I remember one time, a dear lady who sells... Some things came to us and gave us something. And it touched our heart. Because I was telling my wife, I said, this thing this lady has given to us might be the whole profit in what she's selling. I think I've mentioned that lady several times while I'm teaching. We'd have a project in church. You would come and say, Pastor, this is 4,000. There are some of you, there is no project you have ever given to. Your mind is that there's somebody, there's a pillar behind that is just transferring the money. They don't worry, they have money. They have money. <laughs> yes, we have. We're not going to deny our prosperity because of your, of your lifestyle. But you should ask yourself how your conscience is comfortable when you don't participate in the things of God. It's not that you don't have money. Because every week you do your hair. It's not free. I know some of you do hair on credit, but but you pay after. Hmm? You change clothes. You buy things. You eat. 
Look at how God judges. If God were to judge you by your giving, where would you be? You know, because sometimes we feel like God is unfair. God is unfair. Oh, God is blessing. No, there is no life that is enjoying harvest that did not put in commitment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you still here? Second Chronicles 16. Quickly. Second Chronicles 16, verse 12. How God judges. So I'll show you a couple of things. And pray about it. There are many examples, many scriptures. The righteous judgment of God. Second hmm? Chronicles chapter 16. This was a young man that God blessed, Asa. This story is very interesting. 16 verse 12. Hmm? Young man that God blessed. God bless this man. Look at, quickly, Second um, Chronicles 14.2. Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord is God. You know, God began to bless Asa. Now go to chapter 15. Verse, am I right? No, 16, sorry. 16.12. Hmm? You know how God blessed this man? He did what was right in his eyes. Please, quickly, go with me to verse, uh, verse 7. Hmm? Now, Asa took, the story is interesting. Asa took the money God has blessed him with and went to make entreaties with several nations to come and fight for him. Look at what God said. At that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Luber, an immense army with very many chariots and armies, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. There are some of us like that. When the Lord has prospered us, we now rely on money. Don't rely on God anymore. Some of you started your life relying on God. You are now very exposed. You now have money. <laughs> go, and, go and read this chapter tonight if you have time. Read the story of Asa. How he started well. How the Lord blessed him. How he ended badly. That's what I'm telling you. Consistency is the game when it comes to spiritual things. There are people who when they see money now they will backslide. That's why their poverty is of great help to the fulfillment of their purpose. Look at this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he might strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Look at this. God is looking for a man to support. Is your heart completely God's? Look at it here. Since you have acted foolishly in this, indeed from now on, you will surely have wars. Right? You have money to pay armies, right? Fights. That's what God told him. God says, from now on, you will have wars. <laughs> he says, from now on, God told him, he says, from now on, you have money to rent armies. <laughs> he says, from now on, fight wars. He says, the Nasa was angry with this year and put him in prison. Can you see what prosperity that God gave a man does to him? Amazing. For he was enraged at him for this. And as I oppressed some of the people at that same time. Uh, 
Now the acts of Asa from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the king of Judah and Israel. Go and study this story. There's a lot of lessons to learn from it. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe. Yet, even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but physicians. How does God judge? You know, this story is interesting. Spiritual father was telling us something. He, he, he wasn't feeling too well, so he went up, did some medical checkup and the rest and the rest. And then they gave him some medicine. It wasn't working. And then he said, he sat down and he was thinking. And the Lord said, did you even seek me about this sickness? And he said, oh Lord, I'm sorry. Immediately he repented. Strength began to come to him. And God led him to just ask someone about the thing. And the person recommended a medicine, septrine, recommended septrine for him. What they had spent over 300,000 for. Started getting healed immediately with septrine. There are people in this church who are sick and when they call us, the first thing they ask for is money. You know, sometimes myself and Sam, we will look at ourselves and say, we don't have power. Look at it. It says, even in his sickness, he did not seek the Lord. Some of you are so the way you trust doctors, they should have died for your sins. Hmm? Some of you have studied sickness so much that you are the one instructing pharmacists. Say, what are you putting there? Say, I'm putting there. Say, no, 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 no. In 1922, we are not using that. You are, you are now a doctor. So you don't remember to pray because immediately you touch the child. Say, tell me how you are feeling. Say, I'm feeling. Say, are you feeling? Are you saying? Say, okay, I know what to do. 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 Who do I call? Who do I call? You have doctors. Doctor A, classmates, doctor. Finima, uh, uh, doctor. You have them. Line up. Line up. May God have mercy on you so you will not say from now on you will have sickness. Trust. Where's your trust? Where's your trust? Where's your heart? How does God judge? God judges by the people whose hearts completely trust Him. Put their trust in God. Even when you're going to take that medicine, why don't you pray and say, Lord, help me. Give me wisdom. Give the doctors wisdom. I rely on you. I believe in healing. Take your healing scriptures. Praise the name of the Lord. First Samuel 15, 22. First Samuel 15, 22. Are you, you seeing how God judges? Whose heart is complete. It says to obey is better than sacrifice. Say God does not delight in bond offerings. Verse 22. As the Lord has not delight in bond offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Hmm? God gave you little instructions. Pray. No. You want to sacrifice your life for God. You know, it's the little instructions that God gives to you that leads to victory. Pray. Speak in tongues. Confess this scripture. Pray before you leave the house. Read the word. Those little instructions God is giving to you. That's the, you, you know, some of us know we will not obey what the Holy Spirit has told us. We have a sacrificial mindset. I will do this for the Lord. It says to obey is better than sacrifice. It says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Every impression of the Holy Spirit that God is giving to you is for your future. If you disregard it, you can't walk into the plans and the purposes of God for your life. There are things God will bring your way. Say, listen to this message. Read this. Pray. 
That burden to pray. Why doesn't everybody have the same burden to pray at the same time? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, we had, uh, Pastor Mary had a women's prayer meeting on Sunday after service. And, and a couple of you guys prayed. We've received two astounding testimonies from that prayer meeting. In fact, someone shared the testimony of how uh, fire almost got it uh, somewhere in their house. And miraculously, the fire was put out. So when we just say, women, come, let's pray. You have better things to do. You will send money later. Sometimes these little instructions, we don't know what God is adverting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you would wake up in the middle of the night. You know it's a... <laughs> God has woken you up to pray because there's nothing in this life that can wake you from sleep. Sleep disappears. Then you will now go to Facebook and be, be looking at it. You know, it be that. You will scroll and scroll and scroll until you fall asleep. And what God wants to achieve by that time he has woken you up is not achieved. Let me tell you this, the truth. Nobody, nobody including God forces his destiny on people. If you don't collaborate with God, you will not work in the plans of God for your life. That's the truth. You will not work in the plans of God for your life. There is a collaboration with God that is required for a man to walk in God's plan for his life. Can you say amen? Last scripture, first Philippians 1, 9 and 10. This is the prayer I want us to pray. Philippians 1, 9 and 10. I want you to take your destiny serious. Don't take it careless. Take it serious. How does God judge? Philippians 1, 9 and 10. Look at what it says. It says, and this I pray. That your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment. Look at verse 10. So that you may approve the things that are excellent. Can you give me from the NLT version quickly? This is a prayer you should pray. For I want you to understand what really matters. No, no, no. Go to verse 9. 9 first. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you keep growing. Keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Go to verse 10. This is what I want to say. For I want you to understand what really matters. You may approve the things that are excellent so that you may live pure and blameless life until the day of Christ's return. I want to challenge you tonight to judge with the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you with humility of hearts. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to make righteous judgments. That we will judge with the eyes of Jesus. We pray that our hearts will learn to trust in you. We will learn to rely on you. We would learn, Father God, to have treasures in the right places. That our hearts will be focused on the kingdom. Because in Matthew 6, 33, that our heart will seek first the kingdom of God. And every other thing will be added to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. While we get uh, announcements and our offerings ready, please, um, we will need a bit of help. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email. Info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805 888 7575. God bless you.